Welcome to Growth Hack by Poppy Digital. Tips and tricks to master the algorithms from industry insiders. Now here's your host, Julian Espinoza. Welcome back to Growth Hack, where we break down marketing channels like Google, Facebook, Instagram, and show them how to make them work for you. As the internet has sophisticated itself, marketers have had to as well. But it seems like the conversations are all around algorithms. What's the latest algorithm hack? And while yes, there's tricks that we can do to improve views, conversions, clicks, we've been losing what it means to market and create content for humans. On this episode of Growth Hack, we bring on Paige Worthy. Paige helps brands sell without feeling icky about their marketing. She works with unapologetically human businesses run by people who give a shit to create strategies, messaging, and copy grounded in radical empathy by humans for humans. Welcome, Paige. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited to have you here, and we're going to hit you with the first question. You ready? Let's do it. We are trying to market to humans. That's what everyone's trying to do. And I think inadvertently over the last, I don't know, decade, we've started to market to algorithms and robots, right? Which is the title of this episode. And I think it's an inadvertent thing. We're doing this um, inadvertently. I mean, we're saying comments like, hey, like when's the best time to post? When is the algorithm going to pick us up? How like, let's get a bunch of engagement in the first hour because LinkedIn will share it more quickly and whatever, whatever. So I think we are, we all intend to market to humans, but I think we're seeing a big trend that we're actually marketing to robots. And I want you to offer a quick clarity on what that means before we get into this episode. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we have an obsession with metrics and with the numbers that show we're being effective. But in the end, yes, we we do need to show up on Google. We need to get social media platforms to show us our, our to show people our posts. But we need to remember that there are humans in the end, hopefully seeing the things that we post, which means that there are a lot of lived experiences and other nuances that come with being a human that we need to consider as marketers. Okay. Well, then how do we begin to market to humans again? That's a great question. So I have actually created my own model of of marketing called radically empathetic marketing. And it's it's not it's not rocket science, right? It takes it just is marketing that takes into account that all of the people we're marketing to have different lived experiences and uh you know we're we're honoring those experiences as woo as that sounds we're we're taking those experiences into account and we're we're treating them as the humans that they are so on the show we love examples right page we love examples we love examples let's give this audience an example of radical empathy and let's go with i think one of my favorite ones is retirement living and i love retirement living because the customer and the consumer generally are two different people. Sometimes it's the same person, but it's two different people trying to solve for what for, for one thing. So let's give radical empathy in retirement living. Great. And this is perfect for me. I actually have a longtime client that is a senior living company and empathy plays so deeply 
into the marketing that we do to their, uh, both to the audience of their website, which is often the adult children of seniors, and to the end user, which is obviously the senior. So compassion plays into this big, right? Um, like in in the situation of care offerings. So like a lot of senior living companies have a care center. And Literally, no one wants to think about it. Nobody wants to go on a tour of the care center. We want to believe that we're going to be young forever. So we have to approach this idea of care with a lot of compassion. So giving really good descriptions of what happens there, talk about the kind of care that they're going to give. So putting that information out there, but not making it super scary or painting this disastrous picture of like, well, you're going to have a stroke eventually. So we've got this thing for you. So really understand, (laughs) understanding that, you know, yes, they need this information, but also they're probably feeling pretty fearful about it and um, kind of dreading the, that part of getting older. So that's a really good example of kind of one of the pillars of radically empathetic marketing that I've come up with. Compassion is huge. So compassion. Okay. So I love it. And to your point, yeah, it, you know, being touring a new facility that you potentially going to end your, the remaining years of your life, it's probably not the most joyous, uh, uh, journey for, for a lot of people. People want to hear about the pickleball court and, you know, all the different clubs that they can join and how nice their apartment's going to be. Not, you know, oh yeah, we have a great memory care facility in case you get Alzheimer's. But they need that information. And when you're talking to the adult child of the prospective resident, you want to assure them that their loved one is going to be taken care of well um, and, you know, help assuage the fear that they're going to be dumping their mom or dad in this place and, you know, just just leaving them with no care if it's someone who lives far away. So there are just a lot of facets of the different lived experiences of these different audiences that you that you have to take into account. I, I think you're right on the money and I don't want to go veer too far off on this, but I do have a personal uh, experience about this. It is a lived experience. We have an elderly uh, grandmother who is in her early 90s and she is suffering dementia. And there has been discussion in our family that is her caretaker taking good care of her. Yeah. And without, again, going into super long detail, my family has high expectations of what care looks like to towards uh, the care of their mother or, or our grandmother. And um, there has absolutely, that said, I think the um, amount we're paying, I think what we're getting and where we are, I think feels right to me. And a lot of people in the family felt uncomfortable with this. Um, And I came in and I'm like, look, I'm the person that's almost there the most. Uh, aside from one other person. And I can tell you from my experience, our caretaker cares about our grandmother. And maybe the toilets aren't cleaned all the time. Maybe some of the dishes could be dusted more often or so on and so forth, right? But this lady cares about our grandmother. And suddenly, I remember the person on the other end saying, thank you for saying that I didn't know. And it was suddenly like, 
Wow. And so to your point, in this particular use case for retirement living, the audience, which we're, we're particularly talking about, is the family or the child of the person who's going to be inside the home. What they really care about is their uh, loved one going to be taken care of? Are they going to be cared for? Right. And so that's the, I believe that's the compassion. Now, now I'm going to, I'm going to pose this to you here in a, in a way. What does that look like in terms of a headline or on a landing page or on an ad or on a website? What does that look like on that? Yeah, that's, that's another really good question. So one way to, to show compassion is to, you know, rather than a, a just the facts, ma'am, or keyword stuffed headline, being able to write directly to that human who's seeing your content and either speak directly to the pain point that they're experiencing or or even uh, speaking to an aspirational identity that maybe they don't even know that they have, but being able to to paint the picture in a page title or uh, even a some body text that your loved one is going to be taken care of. Um, you know, our care center offers X, Y, Z, um, being really explicit in the things that actually pay that idea of we're going to take care of your loved one, pay those off and just be really clear and actually make good on the, that feeling of compassion, you have to then, you can't just say like, yep, we're compassionate. Like, tell them what that means. And I think you glossed over aspirational identity pretty quick. Can you can you give us a little clarity on what aspirational identity is and then give us an example of it? So anybody who comes to a website, say, is is coming in with some sort of a problem, a predicament they need to solve. And our job as marketers is to present a solution. And the aspirational identity is the the height that they reach after they've solved that problem. So, um, you know, in the case of the adult child caring for a senior, uh, or sorry, the adult child who is uh, seeking a place for their mom or dad to go, um, their aspirational identity might be, you know, a, a caring son or daughter who has provided a great future. For their aging parents. Um, in the case of a senior who actually would be moving into the senior living home, they're a senior who is doing their retirement to the fullest. They're living life on their terms. Um, they're being proactive about their future health care and making a plan for what happens when they get older. All of those things are, you know, just a fantastic vision for what their life is going to look like after they've taken the plunge, moved into the senior living home, et cetera. And I think this leads us really nicely into voice, right? So like, what is voice? And then we'll talk about an example of what that means in, in this retirement living uh, industry. So put simply, voice is your brand's personality. So it's it's how you want others to perceive your brand in, in any situation, but more importantly, it's essentially how your audience would describe you to someone else. So 
it's a really important job for a brand to develop a really consistent, really authentic voice because how someone looking at your website, reading your emails, perceives what you're saying is what they're going to take with them out into the world. Let me interrupt you. How, what would happen if a per, if a brand didn't have a consistent voice? If it was all over the place and their voice changed, what 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 is the reaction that a consumer has to that? So it's important to note there's there's voice, which is the the overall ethos of your brand. There are places where your tone, which is the you know, the child of voice does flex. You know, certain audiences, certain platforms, certain settings are going to have a different tone because you're just speaking in a different context. But overall, if you're jumping all over the place with your voice, the reaction is going to be confusion. And someone may not even realize that they're confused by the way that you're showing up in their feed on their browser window but it's going to turn them off. Okay, so it clearly put, a consumer won't read your landing page, won't read a ad, won't watch a video, and they won't think to themselves, oh, I'm confused because your voice is all over the place. It is gonna be an internal subconscious thing and it's going to then lead them to, you know, confusion could come, someone could conclude based on confusion could lead to uncertainty. Uncertainty could lead to not being trustworthy. Some some version of that, right? That is spot on. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's it's the same idea that like we we expect people to be who they are. You know, if someone acts one way when you see them one day and then, you know, maybe they're super friendly and nice. And then the next time you see them, they're, you know, talking about people behind their backs and, um, or, you know, making really rude, sarcastic jokes. We might think like, okay, well, like, who is this person actually? I'm not expecting that any brand is going to be outright mean, but, you know, if someone's being super formal on one page and really casual on another page, that it just introduces these this incongruity that that makes me think like okay do do they know who they are how are they going to how am i going to interact with them if i decide to become a customer it's all very subconscious yeah and i think that that's the case across any brand that you're talking to you're experiencing any product that you've bought it you're making a lot of subconscious decisions and the reality is that there's conscious level things that can be done to speak to the unconscious and just being consistent in your voice or having a voice for that matter is a great way. Now, before we end the show, we talked about something really important um, in the pre-show actually is about being consistent, but also being transparent and asking for consent. Um, can you talk to us about what that means? And then, you know, my favorite is give us an example of what that looks like. And then specifically in the retirement example. Absolutely. So consent, uh, is basically the idea that we, we want to get people's permission to market to them. Um, we as marketers know, you know, because it's what we do all day, we know when we're marketing to someone and we expect like, oh yeah, the people that we're talking to, they know this is marketing. They know that that this is, that's what this is. Um, but there are triggers 
things that happen that unconsciously, again, set off a sequence of events in people and say the idea of reciprocity. Um, you know, we offer something for free, like uh, a lead generator or uh, in the case of a senior living community, a, a free tour or, uh, you know, something like that. And it sets the expectation in someone's head that, oh, I'm supposed to buy in return. Like it adds, it adds pressure to their lives. So asking for consent or being transparent about the fact that, hey, we are marketing to you can be really helpful in, in acknowledging all the different human lived experiences in the people that we're marketing to. So for me, a really good illustration of a consent happens in the space of email marketing. And that's because I believe the inbox is a super sacred space where you, when you grant someone permission to come into your inbox, you're you're just inviting them into your inner sanctum. So a couple of examples of good consent practices are um, including a double opt-in on your website. So when someone maybe signs up for a brochure for the senior living community, um, A, if someone is signaling I want to get this online resource. My God, do not have a salesperson pick up the phone immediately after they download something. That to me is a major breach of consent. Like communicate to people in the way that they want to be communicated to. If they fill out a form and say, yep, I want somebody to contact me to schedule a tour. Great. Sick your salespeople on them. But there, there are protocols that we should follow as marketers. So a double opt-in is obviously when someone fills out a form and they get an email automatically that says, hey, in accessing this resource, you're also opting in to receive other marketing emails from us. Click this button if you agree to have that happen. Simple, simple. Um, it can be a pain in the ass for people sometimes, but I'd rather be a pain in the ass by sending them one additional email asking their permission than immediately start assaulting them with messages that maybe they don't want. Right. Because that's going to lead to unsubscribe, which happens to me all the time. I'm like unsubscribing all the time. I am a serial unsubscriber. <laughs> I've heard a lot of theories on that. Okay. Paige, before you go, you launched a podcast yourself. Tell us about it. What's the name and what it's about? So the podcast is called Hello First Name, and it is a marketing podcast for thinking, feeling humans very in line with what we've been talking about today. I started with two fellow story brand guides and we basically sit down every two weeks to talk about how marketing can be empathetic, ethical, and effective all at the same time. And our first episode was actually all about consent in marketing. And we offer a lot more of a deep dive into what consent means, why it's so important, what those social triggers are, and how we can better embrace consent in our marketing on a day-to-day -day basis. Incredible. Give us the name one more time and where can they go listen? It's called Hello First Name, and you can find us at www.hellofirstnamepod.com. And we, you can subscribe there. You can subscribe to get email updates. You can also watch videos of our live recording sessions. And if you want to sign up for those email updates, you can actually join us live in the studio when we record. We have a segment in the middle that is a Reddit-style AMA. So we'll, uh, we'll do it live, and we'd love to have you there. Amazing. Paige, thank you so much for coming on the show. We'll have you back soon. Awesome. Thank you.